Greetings and salutations, Device Nation, your home for the greatest show on earth, and we know that show is Medical Device Sales, with ideas, stories, and interviews to help take you from good to great. This is Kevin Brown, your voice of solid in times of liquid and gas. I hope you're having a great day, and I hope you had a great week. I am so excited about the show today. We've got a bunch of really cool things to go over. We're going to take Blake Shelton's song. That's what we opened up with. You country music fans recognize that. Who are you when I'm not looking? We're going to tie that into our continuing series on Mr. Rogers and what he has to say about positivity. And then we're going to tie that into a discussion about private versus public. And then we're going to tie that into a wonderful surgeon visiting us from the land of 10,000 lakes, Dr. Peter Daly from Summit Orthopedics. And we're going to do all this in less than an hour. Hold my beer. Before we get going, I know for a fact that some of the best reps in this business actually listen to this show. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone that has headphones on or whatever that are listening to this right now. Uh, You are very special and you're very good at what you do. Uh, I've talked to you regularly on LinkedIn and other forums, and and I just wanted to take time out to put it on the official record, so to speak, to say I am very appreciative to have you, and it's an honor to get to do this show with you every week. So Mr. Rogers, all roads lead to Mr. Rogers, do they not? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Quick review, we've been going through how to speak Fredish, and the last time we talked about him, state the idea you wish to express as clearly as possible and in terms preschoolers can understand. We went over that. Good stuff. Simplifying our spiel. Number two, rephrase in a positive manner. So he uses an example, it is dangerous to play in the street. That's the clear idea, but we're going to rephrase it in a positive manner. It is good to play where it is safe. You know, I remember even as a kid when he talked about puffing air into a balloon, and I thought that was odd. And there was that dangling participle in my brain all these years wondering, why did he say it that way, puffing air? So the reason why he did, I found out, was that he didn't want to say blowing up because he didn't want kids to think the balloon was going to blow up or have any kind of negative connotation as to what he was saying. Who knew that Mr. Rogers was thinking in such granular detail about everything he was saying? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that's what we need to do to some degree, rephrase in a positive manner. So let's let's break that down into what I think are the three aspects of our job. Number one, the pre-call. I do not believe in drive-by sales calls, catching people totally unawares and hitting them with something. I always ask for entry to the party. I don't want it to be a shotgun wedding because then that security system can kick in and then, you know, they don't, uh, they think, oh, they're being, I'm being sold something here and then they'll shut down. And that's not what you want to have happen. So I always ask first. No scrub sink presentations, right? So how do you do that in a positive manner? Doc, I've got something really exciting to show you. I think it's one of the coolest things we have right now. Can I get five minutes after the case, maybe outside the break room to show it to you or bring it by the office? Even when you're talking to your nurses, hey, you got a second later. I want to show you something really cool that we just released. So you see what you're doing. Number one, you're asking for permission to sell them something. And that's a whole nother dynamic than just blindsiding somebody in the hall and hitting them with it thinking, I'll never see them again, which is not true in medical device. You're going to see them tomorrow, 
probably next week and the week after. So you need to pace yourself and slow down. Don't think that this is that only window you're going to have. Ask for permission to show something. Ask to do a commercial and then phrase it in a very positive way that you do have something that you think is going to bring value to them. When they say yes, then they know that you're trying to sell something, so there's none of that security system stuff that kicks in, and they already have a feeling that it's going to be positive because you sowed those seeds. Number two, intracall. We need to rephrase that as positive as well, and don't just read benefits off of a brochure and parrot that. You need to know why in your heart that thing is cool. Remember we talked about where's your wow? Be able to communicate that in two to three minutes and pick features that you think are very specific to them and in your own words why you think it would help them. Again, using positive language to do that. If it's coming from you and not a brochure, then it's going to be authentic and genuine and people are going to be more receptive of that. Lastly, post-call, that positivity, is that following you after the pre-call, after the sales call? Are you exuding a positivity in what you do all the time? There is where we want to land for just a minute. So positivity, can we fake that? Absolutely we can. Now look, I understand you're saying to yourself, you can't just put this smile on your face all the time. And I totally agree with that. Sometimes you just have horrible days. Sometimes there's things going on in your personal life that you're dealing with, and then there you are on display in the OR having to be Mr. Positive or Mrs. Positive. But uh, we're talking about the exception. We're not talking about the rule. What's your rule? One thing I know for a fact, and I shared this story before, but that guy, that guy in the Charlotte Mall who was showing me bow ties, something I don't even wear, at a kiosk, he kept my attention for 45 minutes. He was so enthusiastic about his product. And what is enthusiasm but positivity directed at something, right? That's what enthusiasm is. And it's contagious, and it sells products. So let's tie this into Blake Shelton's song, Who Are You When I'm Not Looking? I'm not looking, trust me. I got my own things to keep my eyes on, but uh, you know what I mean. It's who you are when the cameras aren't rolling and the lights aren't on. I always laugh at shows that are called reality shows because you know what? There's nothing reality about it once the camera starts rolling, right? People are performing for the camera, so it's no longer real. So what we're going to be talking about right now for just a second is what I call the private sphere versus the public sphere. And the public sphere is when the cameras are rolling, there's commissions involved, uh, those relationships you have at the hospital, whether it's uh, surgeons, nurses, purchasing agents, and all that stuff. That's the public sphere of this job. Then there's the private sphere, when the cameras aren't rolling. And that's how you're interacting with your spouse, your significant other, uh, your children, parents, neighbors, friends, acquaintances, all that stuff, right? So private versus public. The public, the cameras are rolling. Private, not so much. And again, importantly, there's no money involved. So public sphere, private sphere. Got that? Public, by the way, is more of a veneer, all right? So what is a veneer? I can have an electric guitar that's made out of the crappiest wood on the planet and put a thin coating of, say, 
tiger eye maple or mahogany or any number of kind of fancy schmancy woods on it and that's a good looking guitar even though what's at the core of it isn't such good quality you can take a cabinet a kitchen table or anything that's made out of just some junky wood and put a real thin veneer on it of some really fancy high class wood and to the naked eye it looks like the most amazing table in the world right that's what a veneer is and when you look at most of what goes on in sales a lot of sales training programs uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, self-help and all that stuff it really is working on the veneer the public side right what the camera is showing in the reality show so to speak isn't reality it's a veneer it's what's on the outside that is presented at a given point in time to present a certain thing a certain way right but is it reality so we're going to get into the chicken and the egg which came first the chicken or the egg and i firmly believe in my heart of hearts and change my mind on this is the private precedes the public three p's now we're getting salesy the three p's the private precedes the public and this is a big deal why is it a big deal let's take a little trip down memory lane medical device is a peculiar animal in that it demands the relational component like few other sales jobs and what are the key elements of a good relationship we went over this remember set selflessness empathy and time those things done over a period of time and done right is what develops into a solid relationship delivered in an authentic genuine fashion right you can't veneer yourself out of that most sales jobs you can do the veneer thing and put on a face put on a facade and go in there and convince everybody that you're selfless that you have empathy and that you're going to give of your time to them but at the end of the day none of that may be true and why is that it has to do with proximity and time most sales jobs there is proximity but it's very short-lived a lot of sales jobs have a time function as well but it's not quite as long this is close quarters selling over a protracted period of time and that's the difference in this job if you don't have it it will show up because the tincture of time will come up and expose it the three stooges i know i've got some fans out there help me one of my favorite episodes by them was hoy polloi and i'm going to put it in the show notes and this speaks to this you have three total knuckleheads with no social graces at all two gentlemen are arguing over nature versus nurture and they're convinced that with the right training they can take a nobody and make them a somebody and you know what the three stooges keep it together at their grand unveiling at the dinner party for a little while but at some point and you know what's coming chaos ensues and who they were in their private life for real spills over into the public the beautiful part is that if we get this private space right if we get this private sphere right then we're going to organically flow from that into the public space and it's not exhausting it is absolutely excruciating if you're one person in your private life and then you have to come to work and put on something else and turn into somebody that at your core you're really not that's just emotionally exhausting so I want to say let's work on that let's work on that and what are we talking about in that space we're talking about that positivity 
We're talking about the engagement of being a servant, of showing empathy, time, and selflessness, and all these things in our private sphere, and make that our priority. So then it just becomes part of who you are. So then when you come into the public space and the lights are on and they're rolling, you're not turning into anybody different than who you were before you walked in. People see that as genuine. They see it as authentic. And you were the same person across the board. And you don't have to remember, okay, what role am I here? What face do I need to put on in this situation? There's no confusion anymore. It's who you are. So the private, though, has to proceed the public. You do that. You get your private space in order. Get your private affairs in order. And then you come into the public sphere. With that, your light will shine. One particular surgeon whose light shines bright indeed is Dr. Peter Daly Haling from Woodbury, Minnesota. So honored to have him on the show. Let's give a big Device Nation welcome, Dr. Peter Daly. Well, thank you for having me. Dr. Daly, I've read a lot about what you're doing in the mission field and Honduras and the Dominican. Heard a lot of great things about it. I wanted to step back, though, and let's just talk about how this all got started. Tell me how you got into medicine and what steered you towards orthopedics to begin with. Yes, well, I I come from a medical family. I have... um, my father was a was a family physician for a number of years and then became an orthopedic surgeon subsequently so i've just always had a desire to be in medicine and i mean i can think back to age seven actually when my when we had some accidents with our bikes and people broke bones and i got to sort of be the one to stand there and hold somebody's arm straight (laughs) so i just had the idea of uh, being a doctor always resonated towards orthopedics for me because I saw that example as what I recalled with my father growing up that that's what a doctor did and and uh, I really tried to go into something other than orthopedics over the years and I just couldn't convince myself and I just finally caved in uh, as I got through medical school to my love of that and it's just a great great field it's so it's a great mix of surgery and knowing patients, knowing them through uh, different conditions and over different times of their life, uh, both young and old, and sports and active, as well as degenerative things, and and using uh, a lot of hands-on tools to make people feel better, and it's just gratifying that way. So as I progressed along through my, my career uh, through medical school and residency, I also had a had a big desire to do to do some international care or you know some care both both within the United States but also internationally just um doing what I could to to get to the really the heart of medicine and caring for the poor and those that were uh, disadvantaged or hurt and um it's always nice to do that without the constraints of all the business of medicine that's such a big part of uh medical care in the U.S., of course. When I was looking at the story about uh, about your group, One World Surgery Online, I, I was reading a heartwarming story about Angela. Uh, tell me about her and what impact she made upon you and starting the whole program. Yes, and you know, I, honestly, uh, Kevin, I didn't have a big plan when I was a, a younger man in my 20s. I, I just wanted to plug into some things and so I plugged into 
orthopedics overseas a little bit, but having four young children and my wife, who's also a nurse, my wife Lula, we wanted to do things together as a family and we just weren't finding exactly the right venue for that. Orthopedics overseas is wonderful, but it, it just didn't wasn't, wasn't gelling exactly with uh, my family uh, involvement. And so we visited this um, children's home that we heard about through our, our local church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we visited uh, the one in Mexico and then had a chance to go down with all my children to the one in Honduras. Gosh, back uh, 20 years ago now, let's see, 2003, 17. Years ago, and we met a little girl named Angela, who was one of the young children on this uh, ranch slash orphanage, and she had lost both her parents to HIV. She had two other siblings on the home with her. It was it's the type of children's home that the kids aren't adopted out, so that's where they are loved and raised and grow up. It's a it's really a beautiful organization. So they asked me to see her, and we weren't really going there to do medical care, but because knowing I was a physician and was there with my family, they said, well, can you evaluate this young lady with this really deformed, uh, uh, both her legs kind of scissored across in a knock-kneed fashion. Uh, they just hadn't been able to find anyone who could figure out, number one, what she had, and, and number two, what to do for it. And I did recognize it as something I had seen in uh, in my training at Mayo, Mayo Clinic where I did my residency in medical school. And I said, I think we can fix this, but we really can't fix it in this small temporary trailer-like facility that they had on the property there in Honduras. And so we ended up having her come live with us for a year with our family in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she went through multiple surgical procedures on her lower extremities to straighten them out, which were principally orthopedic-related. So that was in my wheelhouse, which was wonderful. And she lived with us, and we just, um, she burrowed into our hearts, as did that whole um, organization, the Children's Home, NPH. And so we were like, gosh, we've got to bring her back and, and reunite her with her siblings on this Children's Home in Honduras, and we got to we got to be part of her family. we got to be part of her life. And so... I said, how can we do that and um, share her life in Honduras? And we decided, well, gosh, I can help build a, you know, an outpatient surgery center or a surgical facility of kind of a small variety, and that way I can come and go and, and help push this little project along, and we'll get it to the Honduran physicians to use. And it just kept getting bigger, and more people were excited about the project, and we... Um, we um, it, it just kept growing and growing, and now it's a, a three operating room, you know, outpatient surgery center. As we all know in the U.S. here, so much has migrated from the inpatient arena to outpatient uh, setting, particularly in orthopedics, with a lot of the advances of minimally invasive surgical procedures and different anesthesia techniques, and uh, you know, all all hands on deck to make that happen. And so we've been able to take a lot of our learnings in the U.S. with ambulatory surgery centers and apply that in this uh, developing country setting, which is really a big dose of freedom for a lot of the people who can't access the public hospital systems because they're just these big, unwieldy um, 
bureaucracies, I guess. So that's, I don't want to talk too much, but that's where, where we're at right now. I imagine that a certificate of need was not a problem in Honduras. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, do, and I have to give some, some special kudos. I mean, I, as I said in our, our exchange a little bit before we started talking here, Kevin, that so many hands have uh, joined in with me and, and my wife Lulu to, to do all this. But one one big a big set of hands is a man named Andrew Hayek who is uh, looking for doing something on a humanitarian basis with his uh, surgical care affiliates organization that managed 200 ASCs around the U.S. and he um, so he kind of joined forces with me and Lulu back in um, and the and the children's home too. Back in 2014, 2015, and the whole thing just went on steroids from there because now we have uh, SCA's bank of 200 surgery centers worth of physicians that are interested in volunteering and helping um, get different tools and devices and secondhand arthroscopy equipment and um, coach some of the, the vendors in the states to help out us with um, some of their humanitarian goodness and donating total joint implants and it's just it's just blossomed into this beautiful program I, I would add by the way that all our surgery we do there is is for no charge we've target our Democrat our targeted population is the poor that wouldn't receive care otherwise so we're not this isn't kind of a medical tourism um, arrangement right and um, and it's just, of course, we've, we've, with that, with that said, we have no shortage of patients and, uh, but it's, it's just medicine at its purest. So we really love it. And it just brings out the goodness in, in, in the vendors and in, in docs and nurses and, um, family members that come along. So it's just been really fun. I've got a lot of questions about the cases you've done and the facility, but I've got to address one thing. You've mentioned her a lot and i see her on the website and a lot of different contexts. And I have to believe that your wife is just an integral part of what you're doing here. So tell me, tell me a little bit about Lulu. Oh, well, I don't know where to start. <laughs> she's, she's a force to be reckoned with. And uh, she just a, comes from a great Italian family. So everything's about this social distancing is not going well for her, actually. <laughs> with her, uh, I imagine. Her Italianness and, uh, but her and her whole uh, Romano family have been just tremendous help, and uh, and boosters with us. And our, we she and I met at, at Notre Dame and St. Mary's where we did our undergrad. Um, and so they that that whole community of our uh, alumni association has been a lot of fun and jumping in with this as well. But she just welcomes everybody in. She brings a lot of energy to it. She, we she's really the main reason that we wanted to include people to volunteers family because that has that really rubs rubs off on your kids when they see you and your you know when they see their parents doing something on a voluntary uh, missionary humanitarian basis and um so she and i have been a we really enjoyed it. it's been a great thing for our marriage of course and then we can do things with um her seven siblings and my six siblings and and uh, my 50 uh, orthopedic surgical partners that I have have all pitched in, and our Summit Orthopedic Group has been fantastic 
Um, so very commonly, I mean, right now it's got, it's grown to the point that we have until this coronavirus hit thing hit, we were having a group of 50 to 60 volunteers attend every other week, you know, coming to Honduras from the States, various parts across the country. And we would typically, we, we typically get through anywhere between 50 to 75 surgical procedures in that week and it's just remarkable the kind of things we can do you know as an on an outpatient basis as we do in the states i mean we're doing last year we did 200 total joint replacements of hip and knee arthroplasties there hasn't been an orthopedic oncologist in honduras of significance uh, uh and we've done a number of orthopedic tumor work that has lent itself to surgical intervention rather than you know chemotherapy and radiation therapy and some of those things although some of the latter are available in Honduras, and we've uh, been fortunate to be able to connect people to the infrastructure as we've uh, encountered that kind of thing. So uh, also, you know, some of the general surgical procedures we do with uh, laparoscopic cholecystectomies and hernias and things that are essential and disabling to people, but they're not emergent. So the, the emergent, you know, road roadkill type things that people really need a, a trauma center for they they get to the trauma center in Honduras and and it's really overwhelmed with trauma and therefore it doesn't it doesn't have the capacity in their system to help with disabling arthritis disabling hernias disabling uh, other abdominal conditions or ENT conditions and urologic conditions that um keep people from working and providing for their family there. Tell me about some of the more interesting cases you've run into down there. One very interesting case was a, a tibia fracture that this gentleman had had for, there was an open tibia fracture he had had for nine months. Um, and the openness, meaning the contaminated uh, tissue in his mid shaft of his lower leg, uh, was just kind of had all kinds of creepy crawly uh worms that were crawling in and out of the bone and in and out of his tissues and they had a large you know four inch wound and he had been told everywhere that he would need an amputation um and uh you know that was the first thought that came into my mind to confirm that and our our medical director there is a young man named dr merlin antunez and merlin is a young man who's now an orthopedic surgeon but he grew up on the children's home on which our our facility is built. So he grew up with, with you know, separated after his family fell apart with some of his siblings. Um, and hadn't gone to school before he arrived at the orphanage at age uh, seven or eight. And now, and it's just as smart as a whip. He speaks five languages now. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's um, got a heart as big as, uh, as the country of Honduras. And he looked at that and he said, you know, we can do this. We can handle this, this gentleman. And he did multiple debridements. He's um, throughout the various uh, colleagues that we've had coming back and forth to the surgery center in Honduras now. He's gotten very facile at gastroc flaps, at soleus flaps. So we did an adequate debridement. We applied an external fixator. He, we got good soft tissue coverage with the flap. And it was a good you know, nine to 12 months of surgical debridements and soft tissue and bony odyssey of implant of uh, procedures. But 
the gentleman has his leg. He walks. He has no drainage. He's got bony union. It's just, I, I can't tell you how remarkable that case has been. Um, and I've got documentation of it from start to finish. It's just a, it's just a beautiful example of how, with persistence and just adherence to um, uh, good surgical principles, we can we can bring about a healing without some of the fancy things we have in the States, such as pick lines or IV antibiotics for six-week duration. I mean, this gentleman got healed of a severe osteomyelitis and bony nonunion with, without the IV antibiotics, and we're actually looking up a series of about 70 cases we have with success now over these past five years. So it's something publishable, and we're looking forward to getting our, our uh, some of our findings out there that are applicable to a developing setting like this. When you said the word fancy things, it immediately made me think that here in the States, you get used to having all these things at your disposal to do a case. I was just curious, as you're doing totals in a developing country, what does that look like? You know, how do you major on the majors? What things are you saying? Well, I, we probably don't need that. We don't have access to that. How, how has that changed those procedures for you? Good, good question. Because the totals, you know, you one thing we don't want to do down in with our, our Honduras friends is to, you know, try to apply some U.S. technology in a shoddy, less than best practice care and gets get. Um, diminished outcomes there uh, actually we've got some great data from 2017 of of an equal uh equally low infection rate uh the same as our uh, low infection rate at our outpatient surgery center here in st paul minnesota so uh no change in the in the quality uh that we're producing there one thing we don't have are the spacesuits, okay, the um, the hoods with the the vacuum uh, air circulation for it. We don't we don't have reliable positive air pressure pushing pushing air out of the operating room. I guess is uh, be a simple way to describe it uh, in our in our three ORs. But we do provide you know, and we buy the sterile packs um, for all the appropriate drapes and. Uh, pre-op antibiotic coverage, the transexamic acid for uh, hemostasis and blood control. So I guess the main things we don't have, we've got standard power, we've got standard lights, of course, standard sterilization procedures that are on the same power as the U.S. Uh, and, and first world practices. So what we what we don't have principally is the spacesuits and the positive airway pressure or the air exchange uh, frequency that we're used to here in the States. But we do have good outcome data that shows we have no increase in infection rate with, with the principles we apply otherwise. We've had some great uh, partners, uh, Orthopedic Development Corporation, Stryker, the Pew Johnson & Johnson, Medacta have all been great partners in donating implants on different total joint brigades to, to augment that those numbers of total joints that we do. How has this changed you? When you come back to the States and uh, you go into your OR, how has that whole experience changed your perspective on uh, what you do here? That's a great question. What, a couple, I, I mean, I thought about this a lot and come to a number of realizations. One realization is that is that suffering is suffering. You know, I mean, suffering in Honduras is they they really know that life can be hard, and they're used to working hard. They're just wonderful people, 
But I realized that, you know, I had this altruistic attitude of, gosh, I'm going to go and really give it my all and be altruistic on this mission trip. And you come back and you hear people have just very similar complaints and similarly similar disabling situations from their arthritis or their 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 condition, whatever it might be. And you realize that, you know, you got to be just as compassionate and caring and altruistic to do the go to go the extra mile as a physician or a healthcare provider here at home. And so it has helped me to kind of not act like, well, I'm, you know, I'm working and this is this many RVUs, this is a business, etc. And and it is business. I mean, there's no business isn't bad. It, it's just a fact of our culture and our life. And, um, but, you know, but to go the extra mile and, you know, really have the best of intentions and do that, whether you're on a trip or you're in your own practice and your, your own work environment is, is something I learned a lot about and enjoy that now. I'm, it's made my life much more enjoyable in my practice, even though my situation is unchanged otherwise back home. Uh, and then, um, another way it's changed me is the way we treat all of uh, the people we work with because they're at home you know here in the hospital lounges and there's just kind of pathways and and tracks that the doctors walk in and they don't go and have lunch with the sterile processing people and they they have a different locker room in a lot of healthcare facilities than the rest of the staff and and you know when we're in Honduras we're Every, doing everything together. We're eating our meals together in the evenings and at lunch. We're we're probably sharing a you know a dorm room so to speak in the Moscati Center where we stay at our Honduras facility. Everybody's playing ping pong together. Uh, we're all talking to each other by first names instead of I get to be called doctor, but everybody else gets to be called by their first name. That's not the way it is there. So it's really a, a beautiful. Um, equalizing platform of uh, respect for everybody across the across the board and i think that brings up a lot of morale elevates a lot of morale for the different members of the healthcare team to realize that they're all just as important and i certainly learned that in Honduras when you know i can't do anything until we got our sterilizer going and if that sterile processing program isn't going well nothing proceeds so you realize how small and just one different piece of the puzzle you are and how important everybody is. So that's been great. I never cease to be amazed at what you can get out of people when they feel like they are participating in a team towards a common goal. It's just an amazing thing what can come out of that. Yes. And I, you know, SCA, that Surgical Care Affiliates, uh, which Andrew Hayek uh, had chaired and is now, well, it's now part of Optum, which is part of United Health Group. I mean, they have that whole culture of equality and valuing everybody equally by calling everyone teammates throughout SCA, and I, I, I just love that. I think that's really good, rather than staff versus employees and things. You know, they're all, they're all important teammates across their whole organization, and I've tried to steal that great idea into my summit orthopedic organization too, and it's. It's been a great thing for our culture at Summit. Uh, with, you know, when with regarding the Honduras time and my time with One World Surgery as our overarching uh, nonprofit, I'm there during non-coronavirus time. I'm usually there one week a month to either the Dominican or Honduras, and 
Um, but I'm also back here at Summit too, so we've kind of used these different learnings across the different places we're, we're at. How's the Dominican process coming along? How far away are you from being able to do cases there? We're, we're a little bit away now. Um, I mean, we thought we would um, be further along with our building project. We've got the land cleared. They're putting in foundations, but it's probably going to be mid-2021 before we're doing surgical cases. Um, we, uh, through, through our, through one of our co-founders of, uh, of Andrew Hayek and SCA, now being part of OptumCare and United Health Group, OptumCare is principally a primary care organization, and they've been doing some primary care brigades, even without the surgical component in Honduras, excuse me, in the Dominican already, actually in Honduras too, but more so in the Dominican, we did four primary care brigades there last year, and they've really got a great effort going there that we're going to complement subsequently with the surgical end of it in mid-2021. But we can go down there. We've just got to get – we can't go down there now and do some medical input, but we've got to get um, get these – you know, the, the ramping back up from the coronavirus issue uh, settled, and that's a little ways off, I think, into the maybe the latter part of the summer. So how can people get involved? I'll I, I tell you what, I, as you talk, my personal mission is, uh, with the help of this audience, is to locate some spacesuits for you. And I know there's some companies out there that have machines that circulate the air in those rooms and process mm. it through an a, a UV filter. Uh, which might be a, a workaround, you know, instead of creating yes. a, a positive pressure. So that that's something I think a lot of us in the audience are going to try to tackle for you to help out. But how how can people connect with your group and say, hey, I can provide a, a body on the street. I'd like to help with supplies. I'd like to donate money. How do they do that? Thank you for that. That's um, That can be... I mean, you can find out a lot of info on our website, of course, uh, which is oneworldsurgery.org, and um, mm-hmm. or they could certainly contact me directly, which, you know, my email is peter.daily, and that's D-A-L-Y, at oneworldsurgery.org. And, but we would welcome any of that help. Um, I think that's a great idea, and I've thought a little bit about that that UV ultraviolet uh type robot that can be placed in an OR and uh, do a sterilization and cleaning of an OR area as well. That might that would be a great application. There's so many different devices and uh, some outdated or, or not necessarily outdated, but there's just upgrades of um, various devices or, or um, trauma sets uh, or C-arms or uh, all, all kinds of things that we could use um, when a hospital upgrades, for example, or a practice might upgrade, that would be well used in our setting. Um, we do have a long list of, of materials and devices and, and um, equipment that we need as we try to get the Dominican Republic well equipped for its opening in mid-2021. So we are using this time right now to gather equipment and things and I've got a, a good list that if anyone would be interested or could contact me it would be a source of um, donation that we could provide them from our 501c3 organization documentation of 
of a great donation and whatever the value of that might be. Uh, and it would go to very good use, of course. Um, so, but we'd also welcome people to come and visit and come with us on one of the trips uh, because just being there and seeing uh, our facility and the type of effort that we're doing um, is always uh, the, the best way to do it. But I'd be happy to talk with anyone as well. I have a friend of mine who's a rep who went to Nigeria to just help out, lend a helping mm-hmm. hand on one of these trips, and it really changed his life. I, I have yet to run into anybody. My my kids have been the to the, the to the Dominican. Say that ten times fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been there a couple times, and it's just such a great perspective. Um, how uh, many how many kids do you have, Kevin? I have three, sir. Yes, oh, that's great. That's great that. You know, you have to experience things. I, I like, I love the quote that says, "An idea you can do anything with, but an experience does something with you." And so, oh, that's good. I was thinking about. Uh, I've had this whole idea of orphans and widows in my mind recently, and I, I love that verse in James uh, that religion. I'm looking at it right now. Religious that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And that is exactly what you guys are doing. And yeah. I, we all just want to link arms with you and help out as best we can. Yes. Thank well, you. Dr. Daly, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Again, the website is? Yes, the website is oneworldsurgery.org. I love what you're doing. Thank you. I'd love to meet you. And you've got a new dedicated listener to your podcast with me now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Wasn't that just a positively heartwarming story? I really enjoyed speaking with Dr. Daly. And one thing I did not miss there was that connection between the private and the public sphere. Did you catch that? Here was a gentleman who had a real heart in his private world of reaching out to orphaned, abandoned, and disadvantaged boys and girls, and then that turned into a public sphere solution. The two are absolutely connected. Who are you when Device Nation isn't looking? Well, that's what we need to work on. That's what I need to work on. For no other reason than medical device has proximity plus time written all over it like nobody's business. And if we don't get that private sphere thing down then it will pop out when you least expect it and when you least want it in your public space when the cameras are rolling. So I hope that was helpful. Points to ponder, as Reader's Digest used to say. So thank you again. I really appreciate having you all around. And let's remember as we go into this week, let's be selfless. Let's be positive. Let's be empathetic, especially to our private sphere. And most importantly... Let's all be safe. Device Nation.